I'm Jan Gibbons. And this is Bob Gibbons. And thanks for joining us for another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. Our show is brought to you today by Riata Commercial Realty, where your office is our only business. Don't they bring us to us every week? Yes, but I'm still going to thank them <laughs> and talk about them and give you their phone number. Okay. As companies are laying off employees, sadly, they don't need all their office space and are putting it on the market for sublease. In today's episode, we flesh out why someone would want to sublease and the pros and cons of doing so from the perspectives of both the company disposing of its space and the company taking over the space. Okay, Billy Bob. So first, what's the difference between subleasing and assigning a lease? Well, they're very similar. Uh, the only real difference, honestly, is that um, when you sublease, you've changed something. So if I assign the lease from me to you, you're assuming every single obligation that I have in the lease. And while I still remain liable, you assume every single um, liability obligation, the rent's the same, the obligations are totally the same. If I change one thing, uh, let's say I'm going to change the rent to a different number, I'm going to charge you $20 a square foot instead of 25 now it's a sublease because you haven't assumed every single thing. So I can't assign the lease to you. I have to sublease to you. So an example would be someone has too much space. They need to sublease. They go out on the market and find someone, a completely different entity. Assigning a lease usually comes into play when I'm selling my company to someone else. And they want to come in and occupy the space, but they need it in their name. Right. That would be an example of a time. Now, the, the one thing I also want to say right up from the beginning here is that understand that whether you're assigning the lease or subleasing, you are creating a totally new contractual relationship between the primary tenant and the subtenant. And so you have, um, in that case, what's called a uh, sub-landlord and sub-tenant or a sub-lessor, sub-lessee. Those are interchangeable terms. Uh, if you're assigning, you have what's called an assignor, somebody that's assigning their lease, and the assignee is the person assuming the lease. And so those are totally new contractual relationships, and the landlord is not a party to those documents directly. Now, they have to consent to it, but they aren't a party to it. So you actually, in that case, have a document that's between you, if you're the company subleasing, and the subleasing company, and uh, and then a separate document between you and the landlord still. So it because doesn't, the landlord has to sign off on this. Well, they have to sign off on this. But uh, what I'm saying is just because you sublease or assign your lease does not mean that the le contract, the lease that you have with the landlord to start with, goes away. That right. still exists. Okay. So give an example of when someone might want to sublease their space. What conditions have to occur for this to come up? Okay. Well, I mean, there's quite a few different situations. Uh, one may be that they... Uh, they know that they have growth coming in the future, but it's not here quite yet. And so they may lease more space than they need and sublease the excess space. So just as an ex easy example, let's say you have a law firm with 10 law lawyers in it, and they go out and lease space that has room for 15 lawyers. Well, they have those extra five rooms, that the uh, offices that they're not going to be using for a while. They might 
do subleases with other attorneys that are of counsel or CPAs or some other professional for those extra five spaces, uh, offices, knowing that they're going to eventually fill those up with attorneys as their practice grows. So in that case, they might want to sublease or what we call just sort of warehouse the space in the meantime. That'd be a good time. Uh, that's a positive time to sublease. Uh, most of the times when somebody's subleasing, well, uh, let me give you another one. Um, if they're going to be growing and they outgrow the space they're in, and instead of just opening up a smaller office somewhere else, they say, no, we're going to just sublease our space and we're going to move everybody to a, a larger office uh, location. That's another positive situation. But sometimes it's a negative situation, like they're going to lay off employees. If they lay off employees, they don't need the office that those employees previously ran. They might want to sublease. Uh, that'd be another example. Um, if um, you know, if they are going to lease sublease less than the entire space, like in the example with the um, attorneys, sometimes it's more than just a sublease. So they're not just saying, "Hey, you get that space; that's yours. Don't bother me otherwise." Sometimes you have what you call a shared services agreement. So now, not only are you subleasing an office to someone else, but you're also giving them access to your reception area, your um, conference room, your kitchen, maybe even allowing them to use your copier, your phone system, maybe even using part of the uh, support staff time. So there could be other services that are a part of this. So sometimes it's not just a clean real estate sublease. There's other things involved. Okay. So now give an example of when someone might want to assign their space. So assigning the space, I mean, it could be in all the, well, not in all the things we just talked about, but like in the case where they laid off employees and they're going to sublease the entire office. Uh, if somebody comes in and is going to take over every aspect of it, that could become an assignment instead of a sublease. But the places where we see assignment most frequently is whenever there's a reorganization within the company and they want to transfer the lease into the name of one of the, uh, you know, a different subsidiary company of that. Uh, so we see that a lot. Also, if there's going to be a sale of the company that leases the space, the company that buys the the um, the company may want to take over the lease. And in that case, they're going to take over the lease in its current form and all aspects of that. So when you when a company sells, that's another uh, time when you might see an assignment as opposed to a sublease. Um, so again, it's if they're going to assume every aspect of it is when they're going to see it as, a, as an assignment instead of a sublease. I will tell you that we see far fewer assignments than we do subleases. Um, you know, for every, I don't know, for every 25 subleases I've been involved with, maybe one or two or three of those have been assignments instead of subleases. Okay. So with today's environment, speaking specifically of COVID-19, do you think this market will lead to more subleases being available on the market or less? Uh, without a doubt, there'll be more uh, because people have already laid off, companies have already laid off 35 million people that we know of. At least that's the number that have filed for unemployment benefits. So that's 35 million people that are no longer going to be employed, at least for a for some period of time until they get rehired, hopefully. And a lot of those are in, in industries like um, restaurants and retail and things that, you know, hotels, things that we don't really uh, deal in. But some of those are in office buildings, companies that you know, have their employees in office buildings or even warehouses, although we don't see a whole lot of that happening in warehouse situations. That seems to be the product class that's been affected the least. But 
specifically talking about office space, I mean, there's already 7 million square feet of sublease space available in the DFW area. And there's always sublease space available. Is uh, 7 million a normal number? So you think it's going to go up from 7 million? Well, uh, definitely. I mean, 7 million is not a lot. I mean, because the, the market for office space in DFW is about 400 million square feet. So 7 million square feet being available for sublease at any given time is not a huge amount. Uh, so uh, I don't I don't see 7 million as being an, an alarming amount, uh, but I definitely think that's going to go up. How much is it going to go up? Boy, that's the, the million dollar question. And I think it will probably go up by at least 20% is my guess, and possibly as much as 50%. Uh, and I think that'll happen between now and the end of 2020. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more sublease space becoming available here soon. So what are the benefits of subleasing or assigning for the sublessor or the sublandlord? Um, well, okay, so why would you want to sublease and what's the benefit of that? Well, the most important benefit is that you reduce your overall cost of occupancy. So if you're going to, like in the case of our attorneys back uh, a minute ago, they have space for 15 attorneys, but they only have 10 today. They sublease out some of that space to other people, and they collect some rent in the meantime, and therefore they don't have the occupancy cost of 15 uh, allocated over only 10. Well, and another thing is you were kind of alluding to before, if they shared services, it might also be because they have a synergy, a CPA and an insurance agent and a certified financial planner. They might want to get together, share each other's right. books of business to call on and create more of a whole environment for their clients. Yeah. That, so there might be a synergy there, not just, hey, you're my subtenant. Yeah. Marketing benefits yeah. there. And we also see that we have a client that has um, medical clinics uh, in downtown areas like downtown Dallas, downtown Fort Worth, and they will sublease to other service providers that their customers, their patients need, but they don't provide. For example, a um, um, Pharmacy. Dentist. A, a, well, pharmacy they have in both locations. A dentist, you're right, they have the dentist and the um, Fort Worth location. And so they have, um, and then they also have some times where they have other pro providers come in and provide services for specialties on certain days of the week. It's not a sublease because they're not there frequently enough, but it that's more of a shared service arrangement. Okay, so like warehousing space until needed would be another benefit. Yeah, uh, yeah, like we talked about earlier at the beginning, why would somebody want to do it? So, yeah, reducing costs is the biggest issue, and even in the warehousing until they need it, that's that's Still pretty a much a cost reduction, reduction yeah. issue. But it also means that they're leasing space. I will tell you, however, I discourage clients from doing that unless they absolutely know that that growth is coming. I tell them, don't do it. Don't lease more space than you need right now for the future because if that doesn't happen if you know that growth doesn't occur now you're stuck with overhead and like right they, now that would be prescient if well, you had said that six months ago without a doubt okay so what are those same benefits but except for the subtenant and sub lessor well here we have actually there are more benefits to the the company coming in and taking over the sublease we've actually helped a lot of clients uh, come in and take sublease space uh, fine sublease space. The the primary re, uh, benefit uh, that's most obvious to most people is that it's lower rent. Uh, we had a client. Is that always the case? Well, no. I mean, if you're assigning the lease, then there is no lower rent that because you're paying whatever that tenant's paying. But if that tenant's paying below market, then yes. Like we had a client that was a marketing firm in downtown Dallas. 
they were paying only $18 a square foot for their rent, and the building had increased to $35 a square foot on the rent. So in that case, we could charge the same amount the tenant, primary tenant was paying, and it was still a huge benefit to the subtenant. Uh, even if we'd have charged them 50% more and charged them, what is that, $24 instead of 18 or 26 whatever that math is, um, $27, that's what it would have been, uh, that would have still been a big benefit versus the 35 that the landlord was then paying or, or, or charging. So Laurel rent is definitely the most important thing that most of the time is the case. Now, this will vary from one part of the country to another and by product class as well. Uh, you know, if it just, you got lucky on timing and the market went way up, then you might be able to sublease it for more. However, I will say that most leases, at least in Texas, do not allow the primary tenant to benefit from a sublease. So if they're paying $20 a square foot and they sublease it for $30 a square foot, they don't get to keep that $10 of, of excess rent, the benefit. They either have to give all of that to the landlord or they have to give a large percentage, 50, 75% of it to the landlord. So that landlords don't want to be competing um, for leasing space in their own building. So anyway, so the, the first answer is lower rent on what, why is it good for the subtenant or uh, for the subtenant. Uh, the second one is quick occupancy. A lot of times uh, companies that, let's say you're going to go into a new market and open up a new office. Um, you know, we had a French software development company that was coming to the U.S. and creating their first U.S. office, and they wanted to be close to their primary client. Well, they came to us and said, hey, what, you know, can we find some space quickly? Well, yeah, we, we not only found space quickly, it was already uh, built out the way they needed it. It already had furniture in place, and uh, and we actually were able to lease it, sublease it for $14.50 a square foot at the time when the landlord was charging 24 So they got a big benefit in a lot of ways, and it was just right across the street from their primary client. So that was a big benefit to them. Uh, I just alluded to a, a third reason that's good, which is that furniture is already in place in many cases. Not always. But it is in many cases. So if you're setting up a new office, you're a startup company, and you want to avoid paying the price to buy all new furniture, which is a huge uh, cost, uh, used furniture has very little value on the on the secondary market. So if you can lease, sublease a space and have all the furniture already there, that'd be fantastic. In fact, that French software development company, we're in the middle of um, negotiating lease extension right now. They're still using the same furniture when they first sublet the space. And it's now, what, uh, I think 10 or 12 years later. And in the extension that we're about to do, they'll still be using that same furniture. In most cases, I will tell you on the furniture though, instead of just having the right to use the furniture, we actually ask that the subtenant be given ownership of the furniture. So they, they not only get to use it, but now they own it. So that's a really good thing. And in a sublease, if the furniture is already there and you don't want it, then you just say, hey, get rid of it. And uh, in most cases, that can be done. Um, another benefit could be uh, that there are lower standards for credit approval. Now, the landlord in most leases is going to have the right to to review the credit of the subtenant. But, um, but most of the time, the primary tenant is just trying to stop the bleeding, so to speak. And, you know, they're paying rent every month. They don't want to pay as much. So they're ready to get somebody in there as fast as they can. Well, and they're still liable. They're 100% liable. So on while the, you're underwriting the subtenant's credit, you still got the first stop right here. Yeah, I agree. You you got to underwrite the subtenant's credit. You don't want to put somebody in there that's totally 
um, worthless, but but the ultimate goal is to stop the bleeding and get some uh, income coming in. Um, the one thing I would say, the landlords often want to see the tenant subtenant credit for two reasons. One, they say, hey, if these guys really have no credit, no track record, no history, then if they damage my building as you leave, then I got to damage the building and I can't go after that subtenant. Well, the fallacy of that is that that's true, but you have the credit of the primary tenant still in place, which you've already approved, Mr. Landlord, when you signed the lease in the first place. So, you know, to say that you have nothing to go after is not quite accurate. Um, the other reason they do it, though, is because as soon as a company subleases their space, the landlord knows that there's virtually no chance that that primary tenant is going to extend their lease when the lease expires. But there is a chance that that subtenant who is now in the building may want to stay on as a direct tenant into the future. And that's happened many times with our clients. And so they would like to know that those people are already approved before um, before that time comes. Uh, you know, the last um, benefit I would say for a subtenant is that um, a lot of times it's a shorter term, um, shorter term lease term. So, you know, you go talk to a landlord directly, they want a five-year lease, maybe a three-year lease, but they don't want to do a 12-month lease or an 18-month lease or a 25-month lease. And uh, and so a lot of times uh, subleases have a term that's pretty short, um, three years or less. Not always. Sometimes I've seen subleases as long as 15 years, but most of the ones that I see, especially for smaller spaces, are going to be anywhere from a year to two or three years uh, left on it. So it basically allows for that company that's setting up the new office in a new location or a startup company to um, sort of try it and not take on too much space for too long a period of time. And then if things crash, they're not you know, on the hook for too long. Okay. So what are some of the risks of subleasing or assigning for the sublessor or sublandlord? Sub, you know, risks? What what possible risks oh, could well, there we'll be? Just, I'll X out that section then. Let's move on. <laughs> well, for one thing, um, so this is the risk to the sublandlord or sublessor. And so in that case, their primary risk is that the subtenant doesn't pay the rent. And so if they don't pay the rent, then they're kind of back in the same position they're in now. If you know they're trying to sublease the space and they're not getting any sub rent for it, well, the subtenant goes away and now they're out that. Well, you're talking about a partial though. Say someone says, I'm growing and I need, you know, fifteen thousand square feet, I'm gonna get rid of this ten thousand. So they go ahead and lease the fifteen. Meanwhile, their subtenant defaults on the original ten. Now they're paying double rent for two places. That's, well, that's the scariest to me. Yeah, but in, in your example of that, you're assuming that they didn't go lease the new 15,000 square foot space until after they'd already sublet the 10,000 No, they feet. did sublet it. It's just now that subtenant defaults. Right. But I, my point is if they've already gone and subleased 15,000 feet and the 10,000 feet oh. is sitting vacant and they're having to pay rent on yeah. it. No, I meant after. I meant that I didn't mean they had proactively gone out and done it. They'd only gone out and done it after they'd ex- executed the sublease. Yeah, well, that's that's the risk of doing business, and that's the risk yeah. of growth. And I would say, hopefully, the the profits that they're going to realize by the growth they're going to get is going to more than compensate for the rent on the ten thousand square feet they're leaving behind. My point is that this, what is their risk? The risk is primarily that the subtenant stops paying the rent. Um, another one would be, as I alluded to a minute ago, that the subtenant damages the property when they leave. Um, so that 
could be an issue and they might have to fix any damage uh, or have their security deposit, which the landlord's still holding, uh, taken to fix that damage. Okay, so what are the risks then for subleasing or assigning for the subtenant or sublessee? Well, just like there are, in my opinion, more benefits to a subtenant to subleasing, there are also more risks. Uh, so the first and foremost risk goes back to um, money. So the first risk is the, sa- the, the sub landlord doesn't pay the building landlord. So, well, wait a minute. So what happens in that case, though? Well, I mean, there's a few things that can happen. If if the primary tenant, who is the sub landlord, sub lessor, stops paying the primary landlord, the building owner, then that building owner now has a few options because if the primary lease is terminated, then the sublease is terminated by definition because it's a sublease to the primary lease. So it's um, it, it terminates the sublease. And in that case, the landlord could just say, hey, subtenant, goodbye. You're gone. Okay, but they can't just terminate the sublease without terminating the main lease because the landlord's not a party to the sublease. That's true. But if the if the one is subordinate to the other. So the sublease okay. is subordinate to the primary lease. So if the landlord terminates the primary lease because the tenant's not paying, then the sublease automatically is terminated. Can the subtenant go after the master tenant? Well, I mean, depending on the terms of the sublease, um, they may have rights to go after them in some way and, and and sue them for damages or whatever. But if they have if they have stopped paying the landlord and have walked quote walked away from their lease, then there may not be anything to go after. They may they're be having, they're already bankrupt. They may be bankrupt. They may be having other financial problems. But the f- best thing that the subtenant should do in that situation is go talk to the building owner, the landlord, and just say, "All right, how can we work this out? Can I start paying you?" the sub-rent. And maybe the landlord will let them stay for the remainder of the sublease term. It's just now a direct relationship. And, you know, the landlord doesn't have to do that. They could, they can say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to lease the space to a bigger tenant next door, get out. But in many cases, they'll say, sure, you can stay, but you have to start paying whatever the market rental rate is. Or they might say, you can stay, but you got to pay what the primary tenant had been paying. They basically eradicate the lease and they write a new lease. You negotiate something new. Yeah. That's exactly right. So that's the primary risk for a, a subtenant. Um, another one is that they have to kind of take the space as is. So there's no tenant improvements, or what we call TIs. Typically, there's no TIs offered by the primary tenant because you know the primary tenant is just trying to get out from under their obligation as much as possible. The last thing they want to do is throw more money into renovations of the space for a subtenant. So um, most of the time that you take the space pretty much as is. Occasionally, we'll have a situation where we'll say, you know, clean the carpets, paint the space, move this one wall. Occasionally, we'll get away with that, but most of the time it's as is. And if there's any changes to be made, the subtenant is the one that's going to pay for that. And of course, those improvements have to be approved by the primary tenant and the landlord, because now you're changing the building, the landlord has to approve that. Um, Another risk would be that you have to take the space for the remainder of the lease term. And while I also said that's kind of a benefit because you don't have to take it for long term, you just take it for whatever the remaining lease term is, that may or may not fit into your plans. You know, if you only want to do a 12-month deal, but there's, you know, 24 months left on the the sublease, on the lease term, that may be too long for you. On the other hand, if <clears throat> if there's 12 months left and you want it to be two years, well, now it's not long enough. But 
in that situation, what we've done is we often do what we call a wrap. So you go ahead and do the sublease for the remainder of the lease term, sublease term, and then you go to the landlord at the same time and negotiate a lease extension. So we did this several years ago. We had a client we represented that was trying to sublease their space. And all of a sudden, the subtenant shows up with only six months left on the lease term. And at that point, you're kind of like, why is this even worthwhile? Why don't we just forget about it? But we did the sublease for six months, and we went to the landlord and said, this tenant wants to stay in the building longer than the sublease term. And so let's go ahead and do a one-year extension on a direct basis that automatically starts the day after the sublease terminates. And the landlord was like, great. Yeah. I mean, I get an extra year of occupancy and and that tenant will probably want to stay even beyond that. That made a lot of sense. So we ended up doing that. Um, and then the one other risk I would say for a subtenant is that there are no rights to renew or expand. So if they're if they're going into the space thinking that they're going to stay there long term, that may not be um, that's not something that'll be guaranteed by the lease because a sublease typically does not have any rights for expansion or ex- or extension of the lease. Uh, and in fact, most primary leases specifically say if you sublease the space or assign the lease, then all the options are per are are terminated. And because they're personal to the primary tenant, so that sublease, I'm sorry, that uh, that that renewal option is only exercisable by the primary tenant that originally leased the space, not by anybody else. The caveat to that being, a lot of times if you've assigned the lease to a subsidiary, then you can still maintain those things. Because that's but, common ownership. Common ownership, but um, but you have to still have that written into the lease properly from the very beginning. Okay, so now that we've gone all over the risks, rewards, pros and cons, exactly step-by-step, what is the process to sublease your space? Okay. So I would say uh, the number one thing, once you've decided you need to sublease your space, would be to hire the company that's going to list it for you. So most of the time, that's going to be the tenant rep that helped you lease the space in the first place. Hopefully that won't be the case. And instead it'll be Riata Commercial Realty, (laughs) our sponsor. (laughs) But that's truly, that's probably the first thing because then that person will uh, then uh, review the lease and understand what's the requirements of the lease because the lease will already have language in it in most cases that will control the process. Okay. So you're telling us who to hire. Is there anyone we specifically should not hire? Well, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't hire anybody who is not an expert in representing companies in their real estate transactions. Which would be? A residential real estate agent, somebody who's not an expert on that particular product type. But what you're alluding to, I know, is the landlord's leasing agent. Draw it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, you should never hire the landlord's leasing agent to be listing your sublease space. Why not? They know the building. They're there every day. Yeah, you're right. There, there are things that are advantages. Um, those two things they know really well. They have a great relationship with the landlord, you think. So they might be able to grease the skids to make it go through faster. But realistically, they have a conflict of interest. Their job is to lease space for the landlord and have the highest occupancy at the highest rates possible for the landlord to get the kind of returns that the landlord is expecting. Whereas the person, the company trying to sublease their space, they're just trying to cover a nut. 
They're just trying to reduce the ongoing monthly cost of that space that they no longer need. And so it's a different animal. And uh, while we want to tell the landlord that you're going to be subleasing, we don't want to um, have that landlord leasing agent trying to actually um, list it. Uh, you know, an example would be if they, if your sublease space has two years left on the term and a tenant shows up and wants to do a five-year lease instead, well, that may sound like a good thing, but now the landlord is going to want to get a market rental rate from day one for that space, whereas the subtenant prospect may say, well, no, I want the benefit of reduced rent for two years during the sublease term and then have a three-year extension thereafter. So that landlord's leasing agent now is going to be in a conflict of interest situation because now they want to try and get the landlord the most they can from day one, and that may not actually get the space sublet and the primary tenant's cost reduced immediately, which is what that tenant wants. So hiring the right agent is number one. Number two is reviewing all the lease documents, making sure you understand what your rights are, what the landlord's rights are, what the landlord's cost is going to be, because the landlord may charge you to approve a, uh, or let me back up, they may charge you to consider um, doing a sublease. Even if they don't actually approve the sublease, they could still charge you that. Uh, so understanding the lease requirements and um, and then creating all the marketing materials would be the, the third step. Uh, so that would be a, a lease flyer, uh, sublease flyer. You know, that flyer is going to have pictures and it's going to talk about what's the rental rate, when does the lease expire, um, is furniture included or not, it'll show a floor plan, all that kind of stuff. And then you want to list that online. So primarily we list it online at, on one uh, site called CoStar. And CoStar is really the primary um, website, kind of like the MLS for, for residential. That's the primary place for commercial. While you do want to create a flyer and have it online, I've also seen you print out hard copy and walk the whole building. Tell people, hey, you've got a, a neighbor that's moving or subleasing some space. A couple of reasons. They may know someone they are, would like to get in the building yeah, and or they may need to expand themselves. Yeah, no, you're absolutely you right. You have a, an automatic marketing field right there. I always, I always do that. And even if the sign on the front door of that adjacent tenant says no soliciting, I just go in and say, look, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to solicit. I just wanted to let you know. That space next door is available. Spreading information and goodwill. Exactly. They don't always see it that way. And I've been kicked out of buildings <laughs> by the security because of it, but that's all right. Um, and by the way, in addition to listing it online, we also want to list it on social media, get the word out there. We put it in our newsletter. It goes out to all of our other clients and people of influence. Okay. Just so you know, social media is online. But continue on with what you were saying. Okay. I know what you mean. I'm saying on all the databases exactly. that are esoteric to commercial real estate. But then we also put it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. We get that bad boy That'd out there. That'd be where the social media comes in. <laughs> even Craigslist. I've even put it on Craigslist. That's and we right. actually subleased a space one time to somebody who found it on Craigslist mm -hmm. of all places. I couldn't believe it. Um, okay. So then uh, we also want to discuss with the client. Uh, what showings are going to look like. You know, it's easy if the space is vacant and nobody's there. Where it gets complicated is if the space is still occupied. Um, we have a client that's trying to sublease space right now. And for the first two months of trying to sublease the space, putting it on the market, it was still occupied by that company. So 
when is the best time to show the space? Are there times of the day or the week that we cannot be there and show the space? Um, can I get a key? Uh, do I need a pass card, an access card to get into the building? What about parking? Um, one of the most important things is, what are we going to tell your employees? You know, if in this case where I, that I was just talking about, that client was moving to another location, all the employees knew about it, everybody was excited about it, it was a good thing, they were anxious to get the space sublet. But if you're going to close a location, now that's not such a good thing and the employees may not know about it. So you got to be really careful how you're going to do that. Um, I would say in most cases, if you don't tell your employees that you're trying to sublease the space and you're walking people through showing the space, the word's going to get out. They figure it out. You better get ahead of that story and deal with it. Um, another step six would be discuss additional marketing options. Uh, that could be things like uh, signage. Are you going to be able to put a sign in front of the building? Are you going to be able to put a sign in the, in the window of the space? Um, are you going to be able to do a 360-degree uh, virtual tour? Uh, which, you know, we're seeing a lot of that happening right now because of the COVID crisis, but it was happening before anyway. A lot of times you want to have that ability because you have decision makers or influencers that are in other parts of the country. So having those other marketing options, um, you want to discuss those and be prepared for those. And then, uh, you know, you also, once you have everything set up, you want to make sure you talk to the landlord and let them know that the sublease is available and that you are going to be trying to sublease it. You want to do that for a couple of reasons. One uh, is they might come up with a prospect who wants the space. I mean, if they have no other space in the building that is immediately available uh, or proper in terms of size or configuration, they may then say, hey, hey there's this sublease space over here. We can do a deal with you there. And uh, so they, you want the landlord to know for that reason, but also um, – you want to make it easier when you actually find the subtenant uh, for the landlord to give their consent. If you've kept the landlord <clears throat> involved and informed along the way, then while the lease may give the landlord 30 days to approve the sublease, you might be able to get it approved much more quickly um, if you've kept them apprised of everything going along, uh, going down the road. Okay, so, so a question kind of out of left field. Can the subtenant then turn around and sub sublease the space they no longer need? A lot of subs going on there. <laughs> I, I know that uh, sounds like a crazy question, but it actually has occurred many times. Um, when I was a landlord um, asset manager many years ago, we had a 40,000-foot tenant that subleased their space. And then that subtenant was in the space only because they were building a new building. And when that new building got built, they moved into it, of course, and then they tried to sub-sublease that space. And they actually found a subtenant, a sub-subtenant to do that. Unfortunately, the landlord said, no, we're not going to approve that because, again, the landlord had to give consent. So even though the primary tenant and the subtenant both were okay with it, the, the landlord said no. Uh, two years ago, we had two different clients that were uh, involved in a sub-sublease possibility. Uh, one, we represented the company that subleased the space. So our client was the subtenant who then decided they no longer needed the space. So we found a sub-subtenant and the landlord was fine with it. Our client, of course, was fine with it, but the primary tenant said no, they wouldn't consent to it. And then we had another situation where our client was the primary tenant that subleased the space. We helped them sublease the space. And then that tenant decided they didn't need the space or weren't going to use it, and they wanted to sub-sublease it. 
And uh, again, in that situation, the primary tenant was fine. The landlord was fine with it. Unfortunately, no tenant, sub-subtenant was ever found. So, but the answer is typically no. Even though everybody can agree to do it, the contractual documents don't allow for it without consent. So, um, in fact, most of them just say you can't do it, period. They don't even talk about consent. But you can always get consent if uh, everybody's in agreement. So, after everything we've covered, we basically know everything we need to know about subleasing, right? Probably not. It's amazing to me, after being in this business 36 years, how often I can still be surprised by things. Um, you know, we had a client that suble- or that uh, leased some space, and in the primary lease, the, the, the lease said that if you sublease the space, you have to pay the landlord's leasing agent 10% of all the sublease rents. It was basically a commission, uh, regardless of whether they had their own broker to handle the sublease, they still had to pay the landlord's broker a 10% commission, which was insane. And I said, absolutely not. We're not going to agree to that. And the landlord was like, yeah, we agree. That's fine. No biggie. We'll take that out. But it was basically almost like an annuity, if you will, for that that primary leasing company because that primary leasing company was also owned by the landlord. So, you know, he it was not an arm's length deal. They had um, control of both entities. Therefore, it wasn't really... Uh, the right thing. And that's a kind of an unusual thing. So the answer is probably not. It's probably not everything you ever need to know, but bottom line is uh, every get situation. Get you started down the road. Get you started and every situation is different. So make sure you uh, read all the documents, make sure you know what you're getting into and what your rights are. Thanks again for joining us on the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. At Riata Commercial Realty, we exclusively serve companies that lease or purchase office space. We never represent landlords. And you can find us at www.texastenantrep.com or give us a call at 972-667-0028. Hey, you're going to want that again. It's texastenantrep.com or 972-667-0028. Say goodnight, Gracie. See you next week.